Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's hot in the strip clubs? Your hosts, the 2016 and 2017 recipients of the Exotic Dancer Publications DJ of the Year Award, Danny Myers and Alan Fong. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a What's Hot in the Strip Clubs podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. We are found on all major streaming platforms, or you can go to our website, www.pantheon.com. What's hot, ITSC.com. I'm your host, Elon Fong, and welcome to part two of our interview with Stephen Rosen, author of Tone Chaser, the book about Eddie Van Halen, the goat on guitar. I'm super excited to start part two of our interview with Stephen Rosen. We're going to pick up where we left off and start into the Sammy Hagar era. Please enjoy. So, um, <laughs> Let, let's move into the Sammy era. So Sammy enters, you know, famously through the mechanic Claudio, right? The the yeah. Lamborghini so Ferrari guy. Knows. Hello, baby. Yeah. 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 Right? And so he joins the band. Eddie is over the moon. He's got a songwriter collaborator with who plays some guitar understands musicianship a little bit more has got one hell of a vocal range and his own successful career so he's adding probably a few new fans i'm sure there's a lot of cross-pollination there with the fan base some few a few new fans as well with sammy what was but more importantly to me the question is what was ed's shift in his happiness or whatever like what was your first impression of the early love affair with sammy hagar um, I can tell you exactly when that was. And I write about this and I'll talk about this one. This is so cool. So, yeah, it's been that interim period. Ed reached out to me one time and he says, hey, man, go f- find me a singer. And I'm thinking <laughs> he's just, you know, he's just talking, you know, in generality. Like, right, I'm going to go find you a singer. Uh, and, you know, I said to him, like, yeah, right. You know, he goes, no, really, go find me a singer. It was me. It was supposed to be me, Stephen. You're supposed there to come to my, com- my pizza shop here in Ohio. <laughs> I worked you know, that had I known, had I known, I would have, <laughs> I would have passed on your name. Um, Ed was funny. <clears throat> he was the greatest guitar player on the planet. He had all the charisma you could ever ask for. He was an amazing songwriter, but I don't think he understood or didn't want to do it himself. The mechanics of what was involved to go out and find a singer. Now, you can imagine the Rolodex Ed must have had. I mean, you need to tell me he couldn't have called anyone. I mean, he could have called Freddie Mercury and said, hey, Freddie, come and be in the band for you. So, look, any singer would have been available to him. He, I don't think he understood. I mean, look, I'm not saying he didn't know how to use a telephone or call, but it was just something he wasn't in the same way that he couldn't remember hanging out with me. <laughs> he couldn't remember me introducing him to Les Paul. Two days later. Oh, you wow. were there in the same room with me? <laughs> in the same way, man, there was no room in his head for picking up a phone and going, Hi, Sammy, Eddie Van Halen, let's dance. It wasn't going to happen. Right. So when he asked me to find him a singer, he was dead serious. Wow. I wish I had taken him more seriously because yeah. I would have taken a, a more serious role, man. You know, maybe I could have been brought on as a, you know, a gopher or something, you know. <laughs> hey, but, who would uh, you have picked to be the Van Halen singer? And if you that's can a pick good question. Seat. You know, I always say this and people say, no, nah, no, nah, you're out of your mind. I would have found an unknown guy. Okay. Some unbelievable unknown. But 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 there you go. <laughs> Me. But people yeah, are saying, kidding. look, man, it's business. Warner Brothers is not going right. to allow someone unknown. 
you know, uh, maybe it works for, maybe there was someone unknown who looked and sang exactly like Dave, maybe, you know, Journey or something, but yeah, some unbelievable unknown singer. So that, that, that would have been, that's my idea. That got shelved quickly. So I said, okay, Dave, you know, okay, Ed, I'll, I'll start looking, you know. I think I found one guy, I can't remember who it was. And Ed heard, I think I had a tape or something, and he goes, nah, I'm not hearing it, you know. And I was embarrassed, you know. And I said, well, it's not bad. He goes, nah, it's okay, but he sounds like everybody else. It's like, yeah. he was cool about it, but you know what I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm trying totally. to pitch a singer to Eddie Van Halen and come <laughs> Like the next day or a couple weeks later, there's a message, and I wish I had been home. I wasn't home. Hi, Steve, Eddie. And he'd always say, hi, Steve, Eddie. Like I never recognized his voice. And right now I've heard his voice a thousand Eddie times. Eddie who? Exactly. And that goes to that thing about him again, like like I wouldn't recognize his voice or I would forget how his, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, why would right? you remember me, Steve? You know? Yeah. Which is what, what made the guy so freaking lovable, really. But man, Sammy Hagar, Sammy's, Sammy's vocals to my music, you won't believe it. It's the next level. Yeah. And I have that on tape. And I, awesome. I have that verbatim in the book. And yeah, man, he was ecstatic. However, he did say, with the conversation, he goes, and, and, I, and I misconstrued what he said. He goes, yeah, man, I don't, I don't, I don't like Sammy's songs. I go, what are you talking about? You just talk about loving you know, Sammy's the band. I, I said, what? He goes, yeah, man, he says, I, I've never really been a fan of Sammy's Got it. songwriting. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think he mentioned, I don't know, one of the songs he goes, but, and I, again, I have this on tape and I have it in the book. I can't remember exactly, but he says he thought that he thought the structures of Sammy's songs were a little odd to him, you know, which is weird that, you know, he would say that about a singer and, and, and then not worry about Sammy coming in with those same song sure, structures. But, you sure, know, sure, sure. Uh, but he was, yeah, he loved that, uh, that early period, man, 5150. There's no doubt Eddie pushed Sammy because, I mean, I was a Sammy fan of his solo career as well. Uh, in fact, in shop class in 1984, <laughs> in high school, remember you had to do shop class? And we did a, oh, yeah. we did a screen printing thing, right? So we get to print. We I, get love, print. I love that class. Right. I so remember. we get to screen print our own uh, painter's hats. And I did one. It had the Van Halen logo. It had a big Phoenix on the top. And then it had the Sammy Hagar VOA. And Van Halen <laughs> had been broken up. And my buddy goes, this is before he, you know, Sammy signed with him. And he oh. goes, why, why do you put, I said, well, I love the VOA album. And obviously Van, you guys don't know anything of Van Halen. I go, you know what? Sammy would be a great singer for Van Halen. Everyone's like, dude, wow. shut up. Get the fuck out of here. I'm like, no, think about it. He's blonde. He's got his great voice. You know, he's high energy. Da, 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 da. And they're like, yeah, but the red rocker stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get that part. But you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was prescient with my, I still had that hat somewhere. I saved it. I loved it. Wow. So much. Anyways. Um, Funny, so Sammy was definitely pushed. Like the stuff he sings on the 5150 record is at the edge of his range. I think being around those sort of musicians, which was next level. Look, he played with some great guys in his solo career and he was, mm-hmm. a, he was definitely a competent guitarist and a talented player in his own right. But being with the Alex's and Ed's of the world, man, like, and he, he could not worry about guitar because it's all mm-hmm. underneath him. So I've always said this, like if you watch American Idol, they have these people who play acoustic guitars, right? Yeah. But then they, they always tell them at some point, put the guitar down focus on connecting with the audience and focus on your vocals. And they do, and they have a next level performance. And I think yeah. for Sammy, when he didn't have to worry about playing the rhythm part and playing the lead mm-hmm. and just singing, my God, man, some of the vocals he put on tape, like, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and and Ed talks about that, you know, um, pushing Sammy and Sammy said, I can't hit that note. Said, yeah, man, you can hit it. So Ed was <laughs> obviously there in the studio, Sammy anyway, but yeah, I know Ed, Ed certainly recognized that. And it's, you know, it's it's um, evident in the music he was writing, right? You know, the ranges are now much higher and the parts to sing over the orchestrations are more elaborate, you know, and you got to really find the place where that vocal is going to fit in there. So, uh, sure. yeah. Did, so now, famously, they, like, Sammy at one point moved right next door to Eddie, didn't he, in Malibu or he something? He did. So they were really close at one point, like really yes. good friends, right? They were. What? They were. Uh, do you have any idea what maybe was there a personal river? Was it just the business stuff? Was it the, was it the drinking? Both of them were drinking and partying and you know whatever. And I know Sammy was divorced, so he was kind of living like a teenager again. And Ed's probably like, man, I've already done that. I don't know. But any idea what sort of maybe started the the rift? Right. So again, that truth lies somewhere between Sammy's version and Ed's version. You know, the the Twister record 
um, is what Ed said okay. was what set that up. But certainly that's just, that's the symptom. That wasn't the disease, um, you know, which must have started earlier. I think, again, with Ed, it was about respect. Let me backtrack just a little bit, Elon. Respect. With Ed, it was all about respect. Look, no one had a, a musical regimen like Ed, right? He, he had a guitar. He was up till six in the morning. He'd go sleep for five hours and be back on six. So no one could, couldn't begin to, 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 to follow him. But Ed, you wanted to know you were giving everything to the band. When Sammy joined the band, and we all know this, and I write about this in the book, and I, you know, maybe people think, oh, I'm an idiot. You're crazy. Edward allowed Sammy to keep pursuing his solo career. To my mind, that was idiocy. Everybody said, well, he had a deal on Geffen, and he couldn't get out of it. Look, man, you're talking about Van Halen and, and, and Warner Brothers, and they couldn't have got him anything could have been getting out of. You know, Geffen wanted his piece, and I get that. You know, they, they could have figured that out. At a point in time, Edward agreed with me. Sammy is now spending too much time on his solo career. And I didn't want to say, I told you fucking so, man. Why would you let him do that? What what singer would join the band and you love a guy to speak, keep his solo career? Right. You know what I mean? I, I, I'd never heard of it happening. But um, didn't Eddie so, even played on those tracks, though. He played bass exactly, and produced it. Exactly. And Ed, at that time, I think Ed was like, okay, I'm going to swallow my pride. I'm going to. But I think Ed didn't like what was happening to me. Hmm, I know. Interesting. So from that first solo record, right. So it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. Sammy's wife was pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, Ed was saying, well, hey, I can understand, you know, if you want to spend more time, you know. But Sammy would come in and sing for an hour. Then he had to leave. And Ed was just getting pissed off. Sammy yeah. was turning in, I think, what Ed believed were substandard performances. Okay. Sammy's lyrics. For the Twister project specifically, the director didn't want anything to do with a Twister. And Sammy's right, famously, lyrics. yeah, that story's been told. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Twister-centric. So Ed was working with... Was it Glenn Ballard? Sammy I'm sorry? Was it Glenn Ballard? Or that was the producer? Yes. Ballard, okay. So Sammy was upset. He doesn't want to see another songwriter. In the, I did it totally. Man, just it. like you don't want another singer when you're cutting a, a track saying, oh, listen to how this other guy does it. Man. I get it, but I think Sammy, I don't know, he really got angry. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's this and this. And at that point, Sammy was talking about the drinking with Ed and Al. And, you know, that was always that block, you know, right. the Van Halen block. And, yeah, it just grows to a point where that honeymoon just ends, you know. From the outside, l looking in, hearing this stuff, it really sounds a lot of it's just communication stuff. People wait, just like in a marriage, you wait too long to communicate what you need or what you want, and then you start resenting. And then, and then it blows up bigger than it has to be. I, I've always said, if I was a record label exec, I would have a huge staff of therapists that I would mandatory make uh, all the band meet with in a group setting so they can always communicate from the jump. Because if you don't develop those habits early, you end up with what, we, what we've seen with so many bands and relationships. Yeah. It's not just, you know, bands. But speaking to that, so, you know, at what point Eddie is famously incredibly loyal and listening to you talk and hearing and reading the Talinsky book about that stuff I've heard you say about how Eddie, because the way his brain worked and just the constant flow of music and he had to get it out and it was almost manic. It was, you know, he was in the studio 18, 20, 20 hours a day, four hours sleep a night. Eddie has said he is what he needs and what he does. And he goes back to it. Knowing what we know now, is it possible that Eddie was maybe on the spectrum a little bit? Was he, you know what I mean? Like, like not, in a, there's nothing wrong with that. There's fun, high yeah. functioning people, but it sounds like, almost with his obsessive nature around music and nothing wrong with that. Obviously he was, you know, very successful and all that. So I'm just curious about the, the functioning of him as, as a man, as a person. Yeah. I mean, whatever, however that would have been manifested. I mean, I don't know if I would have recognized it anyway. I, I don't think so. I think okay. it was just a guy who, you know, this is what he did and this is what he loved um, to the exclusion sometimes of, of everything else. You know, he loved Valerie you know, I mean, they loved each other. They were really good for each other. Um, but, you know, it's five in the morning and I, I, and I was out there, you know, and the phone would ring. Now I'm coming in, honey, you know, and we hang out for another three hours. That's hard to take. Uh, you, you know, I mean, as much as we understood as well as anybody what what that's like to be in the spotlight and celebrity and this and that, and that, that that's hard. 
That's hard, you know. And and when you were around Ed, there was a he cast a big shadow. Oh God, yeah. I mean, you know, I I and I write about this again. I was invisible. Sure. I mean, not not that I shouldn't have been visible, but I mean, if we you know we go to a concert, I did not exist. It was the most amazing thing, man. Yeah. Um, you know, so I can imagine how other people, family or band guy. I, I, I don't know if Ed, I, you know, I, I've heard that posit, posited mm-hmm. about the spectrum thing. I, I don't think so, man. I, I think it was just, I think it was an addictive personality. He yeah. was addicted to music. You know, like it was addicted to those other things. You know, it's interesting because Eddie is, you know, the two greatest passions by all, all accounts for him were music and family. And mm-hmm. when you hear the argument with Sammy and stuff, less so with Dave, that was different. But Sammy on one level, had really good boundaries, right? About his personal life and separating business and personal. And mm-hmm. Eddie sort of didn't, as per the story you just shared about him and Valerie, even like, hey, come in, come to bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're literally up the driveway and you can't spend, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so as a normal functioning human being, we're not Eddie Van Halen. We don't have that access to to God or talent or the universe that he had, right? It's hard for us even to fathom or understand what is being delivered to him, right? Uh, and much less the 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 drive to put it out, right? The the almost you have to, right? But for someone like Sammy, who is obviously a consummate businessman, and I feel like he's probably good at segre- uh, segregating his life, put it in a box, keeping everything in its place um, in your life. And then Eddie, who's just go 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 go. And then you look at you know what happened with Valerie and and all that stuff. And obviously he loves and adored Wolfgang who's an amazing talent unto himself, you know, you wonder, at least, again, from the outside looking in, with his, you know, addiction stuff and alcohol and substance abuse and not being able to shut his brain down, again, delving into Eddie the man, do you think he was really happy? I know, you know, obviously he was a tortured soul a little bit, and especially later once he did therapy and maybe got sober, what do you think really did he find that made him happy, truly, as as a human being? Fuck fame, fuck Van Halen, the band. But as Eddie, as Ed, as, you know, your friend. Well, I mean, I can tell you that he was happy in um, those first two records, those first two tours. Again, that's tied into the music and, and, and all that stuff. But, you know, it was all new to him. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever dysfunctionality there was in the band. And there was dysfunctionality from the early, you know, moments. Was not enough to, to concern him, you know. And he was making these records and he was in the studio. With common goals. He was happy. And you very much have common goals, all four guys at that point. Exactly, man. So, I mean, he was really happy. What made him really happy? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a tough question. I mean, I, I mean, again, it, it goes back to respect, and I think it all splinters off that. But if you over kind of, if you over respected him, and you over complimented him, he he. He did not like that. Yeah. It's like, I mean, he, he served that so much, you know, and I realized that early on and I tried not to do that. You know, I tried not to say, Oh my God. Yeah. That is a couple of times. I just, Oh Jesus. Ed, that's amazing. You know, and he goes, yeah. And I could see it. He was just not mad, but it's like, yeah. Disappointed um, maybe. Yeah, exactly. But then the other side of that, and I remember, I think it was the, it was solo on fair warning. We were talking about, it, it, I don't know, one of his amazing solos. And, and I, and I didn't mean it to come out this way. And I said, yeah, that's really good. And he goes, don't you think it's good? Like my response, like now it's like, and again, that goes to who he was. God, what made him happy, man? I, I think it was just all those things. I mean, yeah, Wolf, you know, he was really happy when Wolf was born. I think he always wanted to be a father. And I'd asked him that question way earlier. Hey, Ed, you, you know, you, you want to have a family? He goes, yeah. I go, you want your kids to be musical? He goes, yeah, man, if that's what they want to do. Oh, that's um, cool. I, mean, I, I think it's the same thing that, that anybody would want. Family, yeah. and success, and, you know, obviously it was never about money with him. Or sure. Celebrity, if he had that so early. With his, with his parents, I mean, for what I could gather, was a, a little funny. Always oh, complicated, maybe, isn't it? All, all our relationship with our parents, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Does, um, so here's a question for you about Ed. Would he have been just happy recording and releasing music or did he really love the performing and being up on stage? And, Cause I know he's a big introvert and he used to say a lot of his drinking was to get up on stage. 
Do you think he would have been just been happy recording and releasing music and not having to go out and perform? Or did he really love performing? I think he loved performing. Okay. And I think saying, yeah, drinking was, you know, gone to, that's just, a, I think that's just an excuse to drink. No, I think he loved that moment. And I write about it too. You know, the Edward Van Halen you see on stage is not the Edward Van Halen. We drive by the house, you know, and hang out and you know, smoke cigarettes and, you know, <laughs> eat potato chips. Um, he was two different guys. The thing with that is, the second he walked off stage, he wasn't Eddie Van, Van Halen. He was Edward Van Halen. He was just you, Ed. you know, and, and lot, right. And a lot of guys can't turn that off. And that's, I think Ed loved performing. I also think he was aware of when the performance wasn't good. Mm. Um, I think that made him insane. Even when he was drunk, like, you know, you hear stories about the 04 tour, the reunion tour with Sammy, where his performances towards the end were hit and miss a little bit. Do you think he was aware? Oh, I, I, I think he was pretty aware. I mean, yeah, the last tours, the final tour. With yeah, Sammy? Not, yeah, with Sammy, yeah. I, I think he was aware. I, I don't think he should have been touring, but that, that's just fun. Yeah, he had a lot of health problems, too. The, the, the cancer had come, the hip, his hip was a mess still, right? All that stuff. Well, let's, let's take a little break, and then we'll go into the third era here. So let me uh, take another short break here, and we'll be back with more with Stephen Rosen, author of Tone Chaser, all about Eddie Van Halen. This is DJ Mike D with my chum Elon Fong, right here on the What's Hot in the Strip Club podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, we're back. Segment three with Stephen Rosen talking about his novel book, Tone Chaser, about Eddie Van Halen. We've covered the Roth eras. We've covered a lot of the Sammy eras. We've been talking about who Eddie was as a person. And I want to get to a very underrated era, in my opinion, the Van Halen 3 record with Gary Sharon, the lead, former lead singer and now back again with Extreme. How he got there was interesting. The manager, uh, Daniels. Was Ray, managing, Ray Daniels. Ray Daniels yeah. was uh, managing Van Halen at the time. And he also managed Extreme, and Extreme had broken up a little prior, and when, after Sammy left, Eddie was looking for a singer, and they were auditioning people, and he said, hey, Gary, you should try this. So he hit it off famously, uh, apparently, and Eddie loved him, and look, I'm a big Extreme fan, too. I think Gary's very underrated as a vocalist, as a lyricist, as a performer. I think he's getting his due with this new Extreme record a little bit. And the match was interesting to me. I'm a big fan of both bands. It didn't seem to quite fit as naturally to me. And so I'll say this. So the Van Halen 3 record, I like a lot. It's not a Van Halen record per se to me. It's very different. It's very experimental. Eddie had gone through therapy and had sobered up and was very creative. I think it's got some of his most creative playing on it. I think I love Extreme. So I know what Gary brings as a lyricist and as composer himself. So it felt very much like a sort of amalgam of the two bands my biggest complaint about the record, to me, was it felt very unfinished. Production-wise, I thought the sound was not very good. It felt like demos more than a completed record, a polished record that you would expect from Warner Brothers and from Van Halen. And 
Even a little bit arrangement-wise, it felt like the singers were some of the songs weren't quite done. Some phenomenal ideas they just weren't hadn't all coalesced yet. I, I would have loved to heard the next record. I understand, and we won't get too much into this because I really want to get into how Eddie was feeling, how devastating it must have been after 20 years of hit record after hit record to have the crowd go, no, we don't dig that. To me, that's fascinating as a human being, but also as an artist. How do you go from never missing and how that must have affected his psyche? So let's talk a little bit about the record and Gary and Eddie's playing on it. Or what, 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 were your, what is your take on Van Halen 3? So this is like 95, Elon? 98 is when the album came out, but I think 97 is okay. when... Gary joined the band or 97, 98? Yeah. By this time, in fact, a few few years prior, my relationship with Ed, and I don't want to give this away, but I think it's probably a little bit common knowledge. Well, Ed started to unravel. Edward, Edward had changed. I try to answer that, figure out what it was. I was not hanging out with him. I wasn't going up to the house anymore. So I think the first time I saw him and after a span of time had passed, Warner Brothers was setting up a day of interviews okay. at 5150. And I wasn't going to go. It's like, oh, my God. I, I, so I thought, well, no, I, you know, I'm going to go. So I walk in, I see Ed, and I hadn't spoken to him. I mean, it had been a long, long time. So... I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe he's just been busy or he's been Ed and, you know, his head is filled with other stuff. Hold me and hug me like he always did when we met. Did you get the kiss in, on the uh, lips? What's that? Did you get the kiss on the lips from Ed? Kiss me on the lips. He always <laughs> kissed me on the cheeks. Yeah. I remember the first time he did that. I, it's funny. I, I, I've traveled a fair bit and they used to do that all the time. In, um, uh, they actually did it in... Uh, in Egypt, they okay. do that thing, and they also do it. I was in Kathmandu, yeah, Nepal. Yeah, they yeah. also do that. It's just nothing sexual. It's just a no, of course friendly. Not. No, of course not. I mean, I, I, I dug it. I mean, I, you yeah. know, I thought it was so. It's sweet. Yeah, so comfortable. You know, well, yeah. you know that. I mean, of course you know that. So yeah. yeah, so yeah, I thought or something. You know, and he's sitting down. You know, walk in, and I mean, he doesn't even stand up. Mm. You know. Ed, he goes, oh, you know, and it, it, it was That's too bad. It was horrible. That's sad. So we're talking and, and the record hadn't come out yet. That's what it was. And I think he was talking about it. I, I, I knew enough from doing other interviews with Edward that, that he was going through motions. I, I, I knew he was reading yeah. the script. Literally, yeah. Warner Brothers said, hey, talk about this here from this. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about Dave. Don't, you know, I mean, I, I knew I could, sure. I could tell. At that point, I'm, I, I was just like not interested. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wanted to like ring him by the neck. And this, too. so the conversation is kind of over, you know. And I said something about a new singer. I guess everybody knew there was a new singer. Something about a new singer. Which, yeah, you know. And he said, just between friends. And I was kind of floored that he would even use that word, you know, that description. So I said, yeah, man, of course. You know, because, yeah, well, Gary Theron, and I love him, man. It's like we're brothers and we get along so great. Yeah, he was. He was really um, enamored with, with Gary. Um, I wish I could tell you more mm -hmm. about post that or, you know, what happened. Um, I also like that record, man. Mm -hmm. And I say that to people and they look at me like, you're, you're, you're an idiot. That's a great record. The guy, I, I think, I'm going to really get in trouble with this. I think he was a better singer than Dave or Sammy. There's you arguments know, for I, that. I, yeah. I mean, look, if Sammy had sung that record, it would have been a monster record. Yeah, that's I true. don't. I just don't think people could accept a third singer from Van I agree. Halen. I, agree. I, I don't care if you were the well, maybe the Beatles could have gotten away with three <laughs> people replacing Paul McCartney, but you, you know what I mean. People won't accept that. I mean, they, I you agree. Know, they, yeah, but, but I know what you're saying. And and what's his name produced that? Oh, Mike Post. Oh God, that, that made no sense. The Hill Street Blues guy. Right. I mean, Mike <laughs> Post is an amazing producer, not for Van Halen, not now, for a rock band. No, yeah. How does that happen? You know See, that's that where happens? Eddie needed no men, not yes men. Exactly. <laughs> so let me ask you this, because you talk about, obviously you and Eddie had drifted apart a little bit for whatever reason. Did Eddie have any friends that carried through his whole life besides Alex? That you're aware of? One of his very close friends, Ed wrote that song for, he played me the song. This is a very close friend of his who passed away. Mm. A 
but he passed away early on. Okay. Honestly, I don't think so. I mean, he was friends with Luke, Steve Lucather. Yeah, Lucather and him were close. Right. Um, but I don't, I'm not sure. Well, in fact, I talk about Luke, and he, he became friends with Luke pretty early on. I think he and Luke. But I think that was a different kind yeah, of fresh, relationship. Like friendship, but like, yeah, they, they lived the same life. So I think there was an element of that, right? They had yeah, that in common. Exactly. I mean, they're both, you know, very successful musicians. And, you a lot know, of cocaine. A lot of, what's that? A lot of cocaine based on the stories I've heard. Lots of cocaine. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, so there's that, that basic mutual respect for each other. Honestly, I I don't think so. I, I, I don't think there was ever that friend that, That's too bad. you know. Again, Strange. on the outside looking in, he has a pattern of sort of love bombing these singers and developing these really close relationships way too soon, way too fast type of thing, right? Like you were with a girl almost. Not sexual, I'm not saying that. No, 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 like, no, I know. Yeah, and then the the, the 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 friction happens and they don't have the communication skills to weather it. You know, not with Gary, because that was more a professional thing. They were like, it didn't sell, so Gary got yeah. pushed aside by the label, probably. Yeah. Um, I think they should have given him one more chance on a second record to see. It's kind of like, to me, like the, the Motley Crue Karabi record. That is a phenomenal, to me, it's the best sounding Motley record, and it's a phenomenal record. They just should not have stayed with the Motley Crue name. Just rebrand, dude. Companies do it all the time. I know yeah. Eddie's going to say, well, it's my name in the band. It's Van yeah. Halen. Yes and no, it isn't. There's a brand... Sorry, Van Halen isn't just Eddie and Alex. They are probably the biggest parts of it, but Dave and Sammy and yes, Michael yeah. and now Wolfie are a big part of that brand as well. Yeah, no, that that, that could have been a good idea. Call it, uh, you know, the, the blues band or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, real quick. One of my favorite things hearing Eddie play because he sounded so free and fun was on the Starfleet Project jam with uh, Brian May, which just... He just released all of it, like all the recordings. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. But I had it on, I had it on vinyl, and I used to listen. Yeah. And when they do Blues Breaker, I think that's yeah. Cream or or by Mile Blues. Oh my God, Eddie goes off. John Mayo. Oh my God! Yeah. If you've never heard it, <laughs> go listen, listen to it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I heard it a long time ago. You know, Clapton. That's what Clapton heard. He goes, Yeah, I don't know why Eddie Van Halen says I'm his biggest influence. He can't play the blues. <laughs> Later on, I guess they became friends. There's a That's bunch awesome. of photos of Eric and, uh, you know, it's funny. I was, I, I've been trying to get my book to Clapton. You know, ah. writing his publishers go, listen, hey, Clapton was Eddie's biggest influence, you know, and get the book to, to Eric. But, um, yeah, I talked about that properly. I mean, he, he, he really loved Brian May. Playing recognized him as, because yeah, Brian gets the brown sound, doesn't he? I go, I go, Hell yeah, he does. Yeah, it was. It sounded yeah. amazing and so free. Yeah. It's one of the most fun recordings you'll ever hear. Like you just feel like you're hearing Eddie just talking to you. It, it's yeah. it's amazing. Let's take a short break right here. We'll be back with more with Stephen Rosen, author of Tone Chaser, the amazing book about Eddie Van Halen. Hey, what's happening? It's DJ Mike D, and you're listening to a What's Hot in the Strip Club podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Let's get it. Welcome back to Behind the Curtain, a What's Hot in the Strip Clubs podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network, found on all major streaming platforms, or you can go to our website, www.whatshotitsc.com. We are talking to author Stephen Rosen of the book Tone Chaser, all about Eddie Van Halen. All right, let's, let me, let me do this. Okay, I have some, so I told you I had my friends uh, growing up, uh, many of them were guitarists, and we all bonded over Van Halen, of course, and I, yeah. before I called you or hooked this up. I called them and text them and said, Hey, any questions you'd want to ask? So let me, let me go through a couple of days. Do you mind? Absolutely not. All right. So my buddy, Tom Lang uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania said, did Eddie ever share with anyone what his preparation was the moments before heading out on stage? I was never privy to that side of it. Ah, damn. You, you know, Ed, when Ed was in touring mode, performance mode, it was like that, that was his world. I, I wish I could have seen that. I wish I had, uh, I know that, I, I hung out with Edward at the Day on the Green, uh, seventy eight, which is wow. our first kind of big show away from um, the Journey uh, yeah. uh, tour. And uh, I was backstage before they went on. Mm -hmm. Ed had a guitar in his hand, and he had a little practice amp and his little, you know, little cabana that uh, you know, each band had his own little uh, compound, and he would warm up. I don't know if Ed, I mean, I don't know. I could be entirely wrong. You know, maybe he went through a whole mental, emotional thing. I don't think so, man. Okay. I think, so this is 78. 
Edward is a 23. 23, right? Born in 55. Yep. He's a 23-year-old kid. Wow. Playing in a show. Well, ACDC opened. Now, yeah. now ACDC, I think, is the first tour, so they weren't that big. Foreigners headlining. Aerosmith. Aerosmith. These are bands, you know, that Ed, I mean, he Nugent, was wasn't Nugent? Nugent was on that bill when he was at the height, wasn't he? Pat, Pat Thrall and... Um, okay. I think Nugent was on another day on the green. Okay. So it's our first big show. I mean, he was like, uh, like he's playing another backyard party, man. It was, he was really happy. Like I said, man, he was, he was, you know, he's got the guitar. That, me, that, that's the photo, if I may. Yes. Right. Yeah. You that's know? a great photo. It's on your website too. Yeah. It's Neil Lozauer's famous photo. Neil was there that day. So honestly, man, I wish I could, I wish I could give you more okay. specific. Honestly, I mean, I think Ed just tuned up his guitar and he just... Just went out and jammed. My fantasy dream has always been... So on the back of Diver Down, you have that shot of them, I think at Oakland Stadium, from like behind them. Yeah. And, you know, Dave's right. going out doing his prance. And that uh, that's always in my dream is to play a stadium show. I don't know if it'll <laughs> ever happen. I've been on stage on a stadium thing, but not with them there to see me. I just I was a guest of somebody and was in sound check, so it was empty. <laughs> Thanks, Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I get I, it. I get it, man. Question number two is, speaking of Tone Chaser, did Eddie ever say that the metal picks he used were the key to his signature sound? The crazy squeals and scrapes he made, or was it more just the pedals and amps he used, and of course his incredible talent? And of course we know that the metal picks Eddie thought is what gave him cancer, because he always held it in his mouth. But do you know if Eddie said anything about the metal picks influencing his sound? Because he only used metal picks, right? Early on. Yeah, early on. Um, yeah, well, that first interview I did with him, uh, December 77. Yeah, we talked about strings and picks. They say, yeah, yeah, I use metal picks. Somebody makes them for me. And that's about the only discussion we had. After he stopped using metal picks and he was using regular, uh, you know, plastic picks. I mean, okay. he would still get the same, okay. you, you know, feel. But I mean, it's a, it's a great question. And in terms of, he says it was, he got the cancer of the tongue because of that. I, I don't know, man. And I write about this. Ed, Edward smoked smoke more than any any human being I've, I've seen in my life. I've been around guys who smoke a shitload. Yeah. And it was horrible. It was horrendous. You know, did the pigs do that as opposed to cigarettes? I don't know. I probably couldn't have hung out with them with my asthma then. <laughs> no, man, I'll tell you, maybe as bad as your asthma were my migraines. <laughs> oh, man. Cigarette smoke. Oh, my God. You know, because back in the day, you know, there was no, there were no, there was no smoking bands anywhere. Oh yeah, bars, nightclubs, yeah, restaurants. Into a club on yeah. airplanes. Oh yeah, airplanes. In yeah. Restaurants while you're eating. And it's yeah, like, I remember oh, those days. God. Let's see here. So my friend John Harden asked, "Did Eddie ever play on someone else's album that was uncredited that you know of?" I don't think it was ever uncredited, but but he did use pseudonyms. Um, oh really? Yeah. One of them. In fact, it was two. There was the. Um, Nicolette Larson, who's a Warner's artist, is kind yep. of a, you know, singer. I remember her. she was a Christian, borderline Christian artist, wasn't she? Could have been. Attractive brown hair, you know. Mm -hmm. I think she played, you know, like acoustic guitar. Um, and I forget his name on there. In fact, Ed told me a story about why he did that. Okay. I don't want to give it away because it's a fun little bit. So you got to lay for that in the book, right. too. And he played uh, on the Tim Bogert's solo record. He loved him. Tim was really? his favorite bass player, I think. Um, who did Tim? I don't know that name. Who did Tim play with? Oh, uh, Vanilla Fudge. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, Beck okay. Boger. No he was yep. a big, big Boger fan. Hung out a lot with Tim. And I forget the name that he used uh, on that record. Those are the only two I can think of. Obviously, you know, Michael Jackson. Yeah, we of all course. Know. That was Eddie Van And Hayden. he did the Wildlife soundtrack. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And the, the famously, the Back to the Future thing. That I, You know what's funny is, all those years, when... Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future pops on the headphones and blows out the amp and you hear the playing. And it says Eddie on the tape, the cassette tape in the movie. Uh, but it didn't sound like Eddie to me. I'm like, oh, that's not Eddie. They're just using his name. But I guess Michael J. Fox said it really was Eddie who just threw together some like huh, guitar sounds. According to Michael J. Fox. Anyway. Yeah. Final question from Mr. Harden. What did Eddie believe was his best performance? Now that could be live. It could be on record. Did he have something that stood out to him? They like, that's what I, that's, that's me. You know, I don't know if he ever narrowed it down that specifically, but mm -hmm. but as we touched on, touched on earlier, Elon, he was really happy with the uh, Fair Warning record. 
Oh, good. He says, yeah, man, the guys, I finally have enough time to do what I want, you know. It's a, you know, a lot of pressure on me and talks about getting sick. And he's actually pretty descriptive about <laughs> <laughs> what he was going through. Ed could be, Ed was really brutally honest. I mean, yeah, he didn't have much of a filter. <laughs> none. And even Alex confirmed that, you know. But he talked about that stuff. You know, and, and again, I, I try to maybe draw that out of him about referencing something and he, he just never you know he wouldn't say oh yeah that was really good you know or yeah it was really i thought his solo in um he really got me i i, I just thought that was an amazing solo yeah. especially those ending duh, it's just like this little ending and he just lands on that note and it's like i always wanted to ask him like did you hear that while you were playing it did, does it just okay it's just and again musically you know whatever that chord is, an A, and maybe he's hitting the, the third or seventh or some blues note. You know what I'm saying. But yeah. it's just, it was so amazing. And there's a couple other, do, 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 do. Have you seen Oh, that? yeah. Junior's um, grades, DOA, off of Women and Children First. My band used to cover that. <laughs> there was last, uh, there, and I, I, I go, and those notes, it goes, oh, it's just a, and then there's a couple notes at the beginning of one of the spare warning solos that always reminded me of, um, is it a town without pity? It was a it was a instrumental. I, I know you know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's just this amazing melodic thing at the beginning. In fair I warning, in fair that. warning. Yeah, I, well, I can't you had afternoon that. in the park was sort of the and no, uh, no, it wasn't. Did you hear about it later? The intro to hear about it later. Doing doing down 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 I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> it was like a minor sounding thing. But I, I remember commenting on that because it was just so amazing. And he goes, yeah. ah. you know, I, I would have had to have pushed him. And, you know, again, had I had more time, there's a bit in the book that I didn't include. Uh, actually, it was one of the final interviews I did with him. The, first, the, the best of record, the first one came out. And I said, Ed, I, you know, give me 25 words on, on each song. So we go through the whole canon of, of oh, wow. it's not like he said, oh, yeah, man, that was a great thing, you know, but he just kind of talked about him in generalities. That's awesome. Um, I did a little YouTube post around that. I got my friend Derek Fuller. Derek plays guitar in a, in a Van Halen cover band called Fan Halen. Oh, oh cool. Amazing guitar band. So Derek would kind of like play like the main riff from a, ain't talking about love was on there, sure. running with the devil, you know, uh, going through all the records. And he'd play a little bit, then he'd talk about it, and I asked him about it, and then I cut in Ed's audio. So that's a pretty cool little thing. Uh, you that's know, awesome. I'd love to hear that. Out. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, Ed never, it's like he goes, yeah, man, that's the greatest performance I've ever had, or that's the greatest solo. He just, he never, I just don't think he thought like that. He just, for him, it was just another piece of this bigger puzzle that for him was never going to be finished. Right on. Yeah. Final question for you. What was Eddie's actual stage amp like for concerts pre- PV5150 endorsement, do you know? Just one gear head question. What was the actual gear? What was his actual stage amp pre the 5150 PV thing he he'll, he built? I don't know, man. I, I okay. wish I knew. For the uh, US Festival, it was, you know, he was using all that 8 and 8 stuff. Mm -hmm. All those power amps, you okay. know, with, with his cabinet. So I don't know if that translated into concert shows as well. You know, that was a festival thing, of course. Sure, you sure, know, sure. I don't, I don't know if he was bringing his martial arts. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm a little no in that area. So as a fair warning fanatic, I hope to God somewhere, please, out there in the interwebs, if there is or if Wolfie can release a video of a full pro shot fair warning tour show, I would yeah. be in heaven. <laughs> please. Um, or, or women and children. One of the two. <laughs> they must exist. I mean, I bet right? there's a ton of stuff out there. And they shot, didn't, they, didn't Dave and the band shoot a lot of stuff to kind of critique their performances and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bet you virtually every show they played, there was a somebody was shooting video. Damn it. Come on, Wolfie, get it out for us. All right. Uh, is there anything you would like to share about your friend, Eddie, that the world needs to know that you that we haven't covered? I think I was a really good friend to him. I, I, I think he... Um, revealed a lot of things to me that that I kept hidden for many, 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 many years, as it turns out, 17 years. So we, we stopped speaking in 2003, and I started writing the book in um, 2020. And a lot of that stuff that came out in the book in 2020, 
I felt a lot of that stuff that, that Ed didn't want talked about that back in the day, I, I thought had to be in the book because that's the kind of book that I had to write. I didn't want to lie to myself or lie to fans. And I think that the only way you could find out more about Edward mm-hmm. was by those things that he didn't want anybody to know specifically. I, you know, I wasn't trying to embarrass him or his family or, or Valerie or Alex or what. You know, if you read that book, what you come away with is a 580-page homage to my friend and the best guitar player in the world, you know. So I want people to know that. I also want people to know that I began that book two months before Edward's passing. Did you two get to reconnect before he passed? No, and I write about that in the book, and I don't want to give that away. I did reach out a couple times. Yeah, it was sad, man. And and this sounds dumb, and and but I've thought about it, and it's really the truth. And I'm not a typically a spiritual guy, or this or that, or you know, mm-hmm. people get their rose in you, just a crystal sniffing, you know, incense burning. I knew, I knew that if I didn't reach out, and in the back of my mind, I knew he had, I knew he was sick. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know how sick. You know, I, I go, something's going to happen. And if you don't at least make the attempt to reach out, you're going to feel horrible. Yeah. And um, so I did try to reach out a couple of times, you know, yeah. and never heard back. Yeah. And when he passed, I mean, it was horrific. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. I, and I don't mean this in any mean-spirited way. It's just the opposite. I, I wasn't surprised. I, I mean, sure. look, I didn't know, but... I, I don't know, man. You get some sense about something. I don't think it, basically we knew, but I wasn't surprised based on the battles I'd heard about. I hoped we would see a, a, another healthy version and hopefully some new music. Um, Cause I know he had a spigot that never turned off and I would have loved to hear what else was coming through the, yeah. the magnificent fingers of Eddie Van Halen some more. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're left with an incredible legacy of music. When when Al, it, it, you know, Wolfie has said it'll be up to Al. When Al is ready to maybe release some things, because we know there's a deep vault uh, that Warner Brothers has some of the, the, the private stuff at 5150. And clearly, Wolf has a love for his dad and his dad's work. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to hear some of it in the future. Uh, no rush. And that's a very personal thing for them, obviously. So, you know, if we're blessed to hear it, great. If they want to keep it to themselves, I totally understand. I hope they don't. Yeah. But I totally understand. Well, yeah. uh, first of all, let me say this, man. It's been a pleasure interviewing you. I can't, I would love to have more conversations with you. And let me say this to all my listeners out there. Go get this freaking book, Tone Chasers, and leave some Amazon reviews. You got to get, you got to, look, it's the modern world, people. You got to leave reviews. It helps the algorithms. Music fans, Van Halen fans need to get by this book. I, I bought it. I can't wait to read it. It'll be here any day. I, I hope you signed mine. But if not, no big deal. <laughs> of course, I signed your book. And Thank you. please, of course, man, please leave reviews. All you people out there, you, you send me the most beautiful letters. Take that same sentiment and, 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 and go over to Amazon. You, you, you don't have... If you didn't buy the book on Amazon, it's cool. You have to have an Amazon account. And I figure everybody in the civilized world has one of those anyway. So <laughs> please go do that. And if I may, you know, if you're interested in the book, you can you can find it on Amazon, eBay, Reverb, and Etsy. If anybody's ever on Etsy looking for a homemade purse or something. And you can find it on my, my website, tonechaserbook.com. Before we have some fun, is there any on your social media? Is any or your website? You mentioned the Tone Chaser website. If you want people to connect with you on your socials, what are your social medias? I'm on Facebook. I think it's Tone Chaser Book, almost yep. the same thing. If you type in Steve Rosen Tone Chaser, you can find me on Facebook. I actually do know my Instagram. I, I do get around to answering questions and I love your comments and your insights. It is at Steve period Rosen period or, you know, dot, yeah, dot. guitar dot picks steve dot rosen dot guitar dot picks and if anybody is into collectible guitar picks i sell collectible guitar picks on uh, ebay and there's some van oh, halen cool. guitar picks up there so uh, yeah man I, I love hearing from people and as you're reading the book man i i, I love hearing from you and what chapters do you like and i, I mean I, I i live on that stuff so you know, hey please. i will read the book and i will follow up and we you and i will definitely have a conversation about it once i've read the book positively man All right, let's have some fun, man. All right, 
So as per tradition on Behind the Curtain, we always end with these modified questions as made famous by Bernard Pivot and James Lipton on Inside the Actor Studio. Steve Rosen, are you ready? Let's go, bud. You're on the hot seat. Question number one, what is your favorite word, you wordsmith? Oh, my gosh. What a great question. We'll get to the cuss words. Don't worry. That's a question, too. So we'll get there. Oh, man. Fragile. Okay. I think it's an amazing word, you know. All yeah. Right. What is what is your least favorite word? Cancer. Oh, yeah. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Creatively, hearing a great song. Okay. Is that, is that the kind of thing? Reading a great book. Okay. Um, spiritually, I, I'm not a big spiritual person. You know what I love to see? I was at the gym, mm -hmm. and there's like a little room for like uh, the little kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I see like these guys working out, you know, and they go and they and they go pick up their kids. I mean, I don't yeah. know if that's a spiritual thing. Yeah, I get it. Emotionally, I could be emotional. Sure. Spiritual and emotional. I mean, okay. I just, you know, someone who's never had kids and never even, you know, but yeah. I, I just think that's so, it's so amazing that in this world, that take your kid and drop them off at the gym, you go work out. And I just think that's something beautiful. I'm a dad, so I get it. I get it. Oh, there you go. Steve Rosen, what turns you off? If somebody's condescending. Okay, and and if somebody comes out and says, "Oh, you're a fuck, you're a shitty writer," it's like, okay, that pisses me off. But if it's like a condescending thing, where, well, you know, wasn't as good as uh, as I, Matt Taibbi. Yeah, man, I, I I instantly go to red, and I you know, <laughs> get him, Steve. Get him. All right, here's everyone's favorite question: What is your favorite curse word? And yes, you can cuss on here. Wow, I mean, fuck is right up there. I mean that's pretty good. Um, I think that's ninety nine percent. Yeah, shithead. I I I've actually used that in the book. You know, it's funny. I mean, it, this kind of ties in Elon since I think. I mean, in the book, I I hate reading stuff where guys are cussing the word. It has nothing to do with what's the with what's the reading, and it's just kind of tossed in there for a shock value. Yeah, that to me is just. I it just tells me this person is not a good writer. You don't need to do that. So as I'm writing this. I'm thinking, do I want any of that in the book? And Ed cussed a fair amount. Yeah, he cussed you a know, lot. You know, so look, I, I could either rewrite history. I could either edit it out. No <laughs> one's going to know. But I said, hey, you know, that, that's who he was. And there yeah. are moments when, actually towards the end of the book, when I was kind of angry, I, I go, yeah, I was fucking mad. Sometimes there's no other word but, yeah. but that one, right? I get it. What sound or noise do you love? I can tell you. I just made a con made contact with Stacy Wilson. Stacy Wilson was the daughter of Don Wilson. Don Wilson was one of the original guitar players, and I wouldn't expect you to know this. I barely knew it. In the Ventures, okay. Ventures were an instrumental surf band. I know the event. I know the Ventures. Walk, don't run. Dun, da, 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 yeah, totally. And for non-guitar players, you're not going to understand this, maybe. But the Ventures were there at the beginning, man. They created the whole, that whole sound of the reverb and the Fender guitars and the Mosebrite guitars. I hear that sound and instantly I am, I am taken back to that moment, man. I'm like 11 or 12 or 13 and I, and I hear that music and I go, my God, I don't know what that is, but, but I want to do the same way, you know, you heard those, you know, those, those sounds, you know, I love that sound. Awesome. I'll tell you what other sound I love. I've always had cats, mm -hmm. and my cat Arpeggio plays a huge role in my book. He'll That's a great name. He Arpeggio. passed away a little while ago, but oh, the sound of his mewing. Uh, I mean, I, I love that. So, yeah. yeah. What sound or noise do you hate? Sirens have always bothered me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, police sirens. Okay. The obvious one. The fingernails on a chalkboard. I mean, I can still remember <laughs> that sound. You know. An out of tune guitar. <laughs> and, I, my, and my guitar was always out of tune. I could never tune my fucking guitar. Oh, man. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Well, I suppose musician is. is, is, is <laughs> you know, man, I, I, I thought I could have been a good teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I thought the idea of teaching English to people and the love of words and, and doing that, I thought that could have been pretty amazing. Or maybe like a psychologist. Or psychiatrist, or whatever. What you know, I because we talked about it before. I mean, being a music journalist and interviewing these guys, and we touched on it earlier, Elon. 
most of what they do is sitting there and you're just listening mm. and then they're trying to understand and embrace that and respond in, in an in, intelligent way. I think really isn't that what a psychologist or psychiatrist does in a trained mm. fashion. So okay. I thought I could have, I thought I could have maybe handled one of those pretty well. All right. What profession yeah. would you not like to do? God, I think of all those hard gigs, man. The construction thing, just because <laughs> I, 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 I'm incapable of anything. I'll tell you one quick, one quick story. I had a neighbor who put in a uh, like portable fireplace for me, like like the freestanding, mm-hmm. and you had to go up on the roof, hammer down like the flashing, so okay. the water wouldn't get in. So he says, "Oh, come up on the roof and help me." I thought, "Oh my god." So we go up there, and he's there doing something, you know. I'm telling you, man, the first time I swung the hammer, I hit my finger. I thought I broke my finger. I am pouring blood. I am so oh, embarrassed. And, and I'm trying to cover it in my shirt, and he's not looking, you know, and I'm getting lightheaded, you know. <laughs> so construction will you be a big one, man. That's awesome. Hey, man, we're artists. I am not a builder, fixer guy. I, I hire people to do that. I, it's not my Yeah, exactly. Thing. Not my exactly. thing. All right, here's the biggie. Now, we modified it. So this is a music show. If heaven exists, if heaven exists, and I obviously know one of the answers, but we'll go further. What musicians would you most like to jam with or hear in heaven? We know the one. Yeah, I mean, jam. I mean, my God, uh, the idea of jamming with any of these guys, just as a peripheral here, I did jam with Edward a couple times. Oh, my God. And I write about it, and those were amazing moments. And as a so-so guitar player jamming, you can appreciate what that would have been like. So, yeah, so we know the first answer. You know, man, I mean, I know a lot of people probably would have said, well, he just passed away. Jeff Beck would be unbelievable. But who I'd actually like to jam with, Randy California, mm. who's the guitar player in Spirit, who I think is maybe the most unsung guitar player of all time. Wow, okay. I think his songwriting and his... his uh, Lyrics, you know, I mean, look, man, you think about, you know, Lennon or George Harrison. I mean, that's that's too obvious. I mean, you couldn't even, <laughs> you know, you, you'd freeze. So, so at least as amazing as Randy California is, at least I could, you know, I could <laughs> hey, play. I got your a heavenly open you. mic night, man. It's your heavenly open mic night. You get to pick exactly. whoever you want. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, man. Well, hey, man, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure for me to hear about one of my biggest influences and to hear about the guy. I, I'm so bummed I never got to meet him. My fantasy would have been to front Van Halen, even if it was just a 5150, like, hey, Dave's sick. I happen to be sitting there, like, hanging out with you. I'm like, hey, I know the songs. I can sing. Yeah. I'd have been fine with that, man. Uh, or if you had gotten me in to be the lead singer when he asked you, that would have been yeah. fantastic. This interview has meant a lot to me. I just want to share that oh, with that's you. that's great, man. I and, hope I didn't... Uh overstay my welcome i mean I, no I, god I, no i i would talk to you all day i don't want to keep your time or i gotta edit this down i don't you know there's only so long people listen to podcasts well but, listen man you you got the book get through the book we'll have conversation number two and we can we can dive even deeper yeah i'd love to man and again excellent i hope you enjoyed it and i loved it man i can't wait yes. to read the book and this has been an absolute joy man you made my night so i really appreciate oh. it Made my to you, and thanks so much, man. It was great. Yeah. We'll talk again soon, man. Thank you. Talking to everybody. That was Steve Rosen, the author of Tone Chaser, all about Eddie Van Halen. You're listening to What's Hot in the Strip Clubs Behind the Curtain with Elon Fong, your host. You can find us on all major streaming platforms or our website, www.whatshotitsc.com. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to What's Hot in the Strip Clubs with Danny Myers and Alon Fong, presented by Panda and Strip Joints Music. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.